It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast. Here on the Locked On Podcast Network, we are part of your daily routine, Monday through Friday, no matter what, even on an election Tuesday night, taking a break from watching those returns come in. However you have voted, I'm glad that you went out and hit the hit the polls. Uh, I'm hoping that this country... I know we're a little bit divided at the moment, but I hope we can come together under a common cause once this is all said and done and move forward in a positive direction. And we are here to serve that purpose, and our positive direction is as fans of the Boston Celtics and followers of the Boston Celtics. So, let's do that. I am John Corrales, part of the Rain and Jays, Jay King, on his way to Washington, D.C. right now as the Celtics go on to take the Wizards. Sam Packard, educating himself in class for some reason, deciding that an education is necessary to making uh, a positive impact on the world and making money. Didn't really matter to me, but whatever. Dude, whatever. Do your thing. Anyway, so I'm here. We are here as part of the Locked On Celtics podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Go to Locked On NBA. If you follow us, you know, if you click on the links that we tweet out or on RedsArmy.com or on MassLive.com when Jay posts them, go to the Audio Boom page. You'll see a link that gets to the Locked On Podcast Network. You can go to Locked On Wizards and see what they're talking about ahead of the game. You can go to Locked On NBA and get a general overview of the league. You can go to Locked On Fantasy and check out what your team should be doing with your fantasy team. You never know. I get a lot of questions about fantasy players all over the place. Go to Locked On Fantasy. They've got your whole hookup over there. Uh, You can do that. Check out the whole Locked On network. So, yeah, absolutely do that. And if you're not a subscriber to the show... Do that. Subscribe. If you have uh, whatever app it is that you use to get our podcast or get any podcast, you can get ours. So if you're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever app you use, you can find us, the Locked On Celtics podcast. Search for that. Search Rain and Jays or go to the Audio Boom page and grab our RSS feed and you can plug that in. All that out of the way. Let's start with this. I had a conversation with Rich Kimball on AM620 in Bangor, as I do every Tuesday, AM620 in Bangor, Maine. Uh, Rich and I talked about the Celtics injuries. We talked a little bit about the leadership role that Isaiah Thomas has taken and what the Celtics might do against the Wizards with a little bit of a lineup change. I think I see 
a little bit of a lineup change here with the Celtics going into Washington, a struggling team, and the Celtics needing a win. Their defense is struggling. Their offense is okay, as we talked about last night on the show, but their defense is struggling. So I think the Celtics are going to make a lineup change. We talked all about that with Rich Kimball on AM620, the Pulse main. Check it out. I would like it better if the Celtics had their entire team healthy. That would and help, that's too. Part of, that's part of the problem. And they, they are asking guys who are not really great defenders to execute a defensive plan, and they're not doing it very well. That's, I think, in a nutshell, what's happening. Guys individually, individually, like Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart, those guys are still doing their thing and, and playing pretty well. But you're asking a guy like Gerald Green, who's not a great defender, to guard guys, and, and he's not doing a good job at it. You're asking Jordan Mickey and Tyler Zeller to come in and play extended minutes, and they're going to make bad decisions. They're going to do not great things on the floor defensively. So that's a huge part of the problem. And uh, it would be nice if they were in better position and maybe some of the effort was a little stronger. But I think once Horford and Crowder come back and Olenek, even Olenek, because the Celtics need size Mm. more than anything – I think those three coming back would really give us a better idea of at least where the defense really is. And then we can start worrying or figuring out if if that's uh, as big a problem as it seems right now. Well, let's talk about a couple of those key injuries. And Al Horford apparently hasn't cleared concussion protocols yet. Where is he and how close to coming back? You know, it's hard to say with those things because there's a certain step that you have to take. And so you go out with the concussion or the concussion symptoms, and then once those have cleared up, you slowly increase your activity. So the other day he was running on a treadmill, and the protocol is you do that, and then afterwards you see if there are symptoms. And then after that, you do the next step and see if there are symptoms. And only when you can do each step symptom-free can you make it through the protocol. Now, I don't know where along the lines – he had a setback. He, he ran, and there was uh, he was out there before the last game. It seemed like doing some sort of workout. Somewhere along the way, he must have experienced some concussion symptoms. So that was a setback. These things can take different lengths of time for different people. You can have a guy take a, a vicious shot to the head and come back in a matter of a couple of days, and then Horford, who was hit in the head and continued practicing uh, a week or so ago, suddenly developed the symptoms and is just taking a little while. So really hard to say what the length is. At some point, the team doctor will have to discuss it with the league's head of the concussion protocol when he makes it through all of those steps, and only then will he be cleared. And Jay Crowder, the, the last I heard was both Brad and Danny Ainge saying, I don't think he'll be back for a while. What did that mean? Well, it means that they're not going to rush him back. They also did say that he is progressing, and it's not one of those high ankle sprains that really hindered him at the end of last year. It's a regular low ankle sprain, which means, you know, they got to wait for the swelling to go down and for, for him to get the strength back in it. But he'll, he's progressing. He didn't make the trip to Washington, so he's not going to play 
obviously in that game. I probably wouldn't expect to see him back until next week. So he'll miss the Knicks. He'll miss the Pacers, I think. And then from there, they'll reevaluate. I don't think it's a big deal, but I also don't think they're in a hurry to bring him back because they don't want to have any sort of setback and have him miss even more games than he should. We're talking Celtics with John Corrales here on Downtown. Uh, well, some guys are getting their opportunity to show what can do. One of them made his debut against Denver. I thought Demetrius Jackson looked pretty good out there at times. Yeah, he seemed a little comfortable. You know, he hit a, he had three. He scored, I think, with seven in his debut, which is nice. He showed uh, a good calmness out there and a nice shooting touch. So kind of showed a little bit of why they held on to him. And there was really never any chatter when he, when uh, R.J. Hunter and, and James Young were in that battle for the last spot. You would have thought Jackson was maybe in that mix, but there was never any chatter with that, and that's why. So, again, he was Brad Stevens was kind of searching for something, searching for some con- anybody to contribute uh, against Denver, and nobody really did outside of Avery Bradley and Isaiah Thomas. He was looking for somebody, anybody to give a spark. And what you need to watch for now is, did Demetrius Jackson do enough to maybe have the the Celtics reevaluate Terry Rozier? And maybe Rozier's not coming along in this situation as well as they'd hoped. So, you know, it's it's not something I would really focus too much on. But, you know, he show enough. Maybe get another chance if Rozier isn't playing very well. I like the draft pick. The more I see of him, the more I like uh, what, what we see from Jalen Brown. I'm trying not to get too excited. Don't want to get overboard <laughs> for him early on. But, what, John, what do you think is the ceiling for Jalen Brown from what you've seen so far? Well, I think it can get pretty high if he can get that shooting to be a little more consistent, which is going to be a work in progress. He's not shy about taking it. And he had you – know, not the great the greatest shooting night, but he's hit a, a bunch of threes earlier in the season. So he's he's got a lot of potential. He still has a lot to work on defensively, especially. He's not making the best decisions, but that's okay. That's a work in progress, like I've said. But offensively, he's got some really nice moves in the post. He can be aggressive in transition. He's certainly athletic. I think recognizing some mismatches that he hasn't taken advantage of is, is one of the next steps he can make in his progression. But, look, he came out, he went out against Cleveland and did a nice job against LeBron. Mm. And LeBron let him know that he, he played well. There, there is positive to look at with Jalen Brown. It's just still so early that I'm not so sure it's going to be so positive as the season progresses. He's going to have his down points, too. And we'll just have to kind of go through him. He's a rookie. He just turned 20 years old. But I think the ceiling is pretty high. And by the time he gets to be 23, 24 years old, we're going to see a really, really good player, a key piece for this future. Listening to some of the post-game comments after the Denver game uh, from Isaiah Thomas, he seemed pretty frustrated with uh, some of the effort from a few of his teammates out there. Can that be interpreted that he's really assuming a bit of a leadership position with his team? Oh, yeah, I think he's totally assumed that. He, I think he has assumed that. Uh, he knows that he's the he's called himself the franchise player. They didn't put that big uh, campaign, Nike campaign in <laughs> South Station for nothing. I don't know if you've seen that on his Instagram, but oh, there's yeah. a big <laughs> Nike ad campaign out for him. He is legit. He's the, he is the all-star 
on this team. I know they got Al Horford, but he is the Celtics all-star, the one that made it out of the Celtics. He's the leader. He's the guy out there offensively that takes charge. He is going to distribute and pass to other guys, so he, he's a big part of the offense. He's not shy. So, yeah, absolutely, he's a, he's a leader. He's one of the older guys on the team. I think he, Avery Bradley, and Jay Crowder are the three guys that you would look at in that locker room. And Al Holford, of course, that you would look at in that locker room as taking charge and putting some of these younger guys in their place. Look, with these injuries, there are a bunch of young guys out there. And I think, again, the Nuggets, they kind of assumed a lot of things. And the effort certainly wasn't there. And it's nice to see somebody like Isaiah Thomas step up and say, hey, no, this isn't going to fly. Tomorrow night they take on Washington. They're off to a rough start at just 1-5. and five. Is this what the doctor ordered, or will we see what's happened a little bit in the last couple of years where they sometimes play down to the level of their competition? Oh, man, you know, if they play down after the, the Nuggets game, then they've got serious problems. There's no reason to play down after the last game. You get blown out at home to a team, a West Coast team on a back-to-back at the end of a road trip. There's no – you've got to go redeem yourself. So I think that they can go out there, and we might see we might see a little change in the starting lineup. I wouldn't be surprised to see Marcus Smart go in and start and put Jalen Brown on the bench. They really need a better defensive start, like mm. we talked about earlier with the defense. So And the, the big guns for, the, for Washington, John Wall, Bradley Beal, it's all guard-based, so they need to go out there and shut those guys down, prevent them from getting to the rim. The Celtics don't have the size, like I said earlier, to, to really protect the rim very well, so it's going to have to be perimeter defense. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Marcus Smart out there in the starting lineup alongside Avery Bradley to go out there and maybe shut those guys down early, try to force a couple of early turnovers, get the Celtics on the board early, get a lead in that first quarter, and try and go from there. We'll see what happens tomorrow night. Uh, John, enjoy the game as always. Thanks for checking in with us. We'll talk with you again next Tuesday. You got it, man. That's John Corrales, Locked On Celtics podcast, RedsArmy.com. Okay, so that was me on AM620 in Bangor, Maine with Rich Kimball. And so that addresses some of the immediate Celtics uh, situation not a lot different than some of the things that we've talked about on the show before. So uh, I want to get into some of these Rain and Jays questions. We ask you to send in your tweets with the hashtag Rain and Jays. And so let's get to a couple of these that were kind of sent in over the course of the past few days. At uh, Celtics for Life, Stephen Taylor, with the hashtag Rain and Jays, only because you're both awesome and hip-hop heads, who are your favorite MCs? We'll get Jay on to answer this question a little bit later on too, but favorite MCs and also who would who would be who if the woo was the Celtics? Man. Okay. My favorite MCs of all time. Uh, I'm going to say Guru was my favorite, uh, one of my favorites, Gangstar, of course, a Boston native. I know he went to New York. And he identified with Brooklyn, and and but you kind of had to do that back in the day to get a little bit of respect. But he was a Boston guy through and through, and I respect that. So Guru was one of my favorites. Uh, I 
I grew up on Big Daddy Kane. He had a couple of classics. Nas had a couple of classics. Biggie had a couple of classics. Though I'm I'm more of an East Coast guy. Uh, I love Talib Kweli. So I'm throwing a lot of names out there, but those those are the guys that I really like a lot. But really, I think Guru was my favorite. And we'll get to Jay on that. But we, this is all from, if you didn't listen to the last show, go back and listen to that because we were joking around about designer and panda and trap music. Uh, okay, so who would be who if the woo was the Celtics? Hmm. I'm going to say that Isaiah Thomas is the jizza, the genius, because he has this way of getting to the rim. And he has this just innate ability to create offense. It's kind of genius level. So, and I think Jizza is the best lyricist in the Wu-Tang Clan. So we'll go with that. Um, let's see. I'm going to say that hmm, Al Horford is Raekwon the chef because he's the one that's cooking up all of the offense and he's making things just kind of better for everybody. And I'm going to say Jay Crowder is the method man. And I think Meth had the bigger commercial success. He had he's he's a lot more uh I guess individual. He had that voice that you could instantly recognize. And I feel like Jay Crowder has that kind of individuality, that kind of uh, there, there's an edge to both and there's, I'm going to say, I don't want to say mainstream. I don't know. I, I feel like, I just feel like Jay Crowder has that, like that edge that I think you can kind of look at as a guy that is the leader. But when you look deeper, he's not quote unquote the leader, because obviously I think Jizza is the, the guy that kind of helped the whole thing kind of come together. So those are my those are my Wu Tang Clan uh, choices. So that's a nice little fun thing. Uh, and then I want to get into a little bit of a serious thing before we we wrap things up. Arena Jay's question that comes from Justin, and Justin, you know him on Twitter as Aus Celtics fan. Justin is from Australia, and I want to end on this because this is something that really touches me personally. I'm going to read because he emailed me this. So this is a little bit, he didn't hashtag it, but he emailed it to me. But I'm going to go with it. Justin says, I feel fortunate to be friends online and communicate with Royce White, who I greatly admire for his courageous stance on mental health in sports, particularly in the NBA. I've also reached out to Delonte West and Larry Sanders regarding their mental health. As someone who has, uh, as someone with quite severe mental health issues, it is a major concern to me as to whether any positive progress has been made in the NBA regarding putting policies in place to support athletes with mental health issues. Can you speak to any internal progress within the NBA regarding a more proactive stance towards giving players mental health support 
And if the NBA PA is requested provisions for mental health support in the new CBA, there's a lot there. Uh, taking the last point first, I do not know what the NBA Players Association has requested, if they have requested anything. So we'll have to wait to see. I don't know that that is something that's collectively bargained. I think that's just something that is uh, mutually agreed upon outside of the collective bargaining agreement. But that's something that we'll have to wait until the new CBA is ratified to determine if anything is in there. Uh, To the best of my knowledge, the NBA does not have a stated mental health policy and they have not, to the best of my knowledge, spoken about one. However, I would like to take this opportunity to advocate for such a policy. Uh, For those of you who do not know, uh, I have been touched personally by mental health issues in that my best friend, uh, a guy I knew back in college, and for those of you who are old enough, in your 40s maybe, who are Boston natives, to remember 88.9 at night, the Emerson College radio station, the rap show, there was a guy who was known as Dr. Dell. He was a DJ on 88.9 at night for a few years. If you are a Boston hip-hop head and you're my age and you remember Dr. Dell, then you know my best friend ever, Carlos Broussard. You may not know him by that name. Uh, You know that he's known as Dr. Dell. And I have Dell tattooed on my chest in memory of him because he took his own life uh, in June of 1997. So we are coming up uh, in seven months on the... 30th anniversary am I doing that math right 20th anniversary of his passing so this isn't easy for me to talk about if you can't tell by the sound of my voice um I wish I knew then the stuff I knew now Uh, maybe back then if I knew what I knew now I feel like I could have saved his life. And not that I blame myself, I just feel like we're more advanced in our um, understanding of mental health issues. And when we look at, I'm going to tie this into the injuries. Al Horford is going through a concussion protocol. And part of why I appreciate the NBA's concussion protocol is because the NFL doesn't have a similar concussion protocol or hasn't had a a similar one. And we've seen guys in the NFL put shotguns to their chest and kill themselves in that way. So as to preserve their brains to be studied for CTE, a result of multiple concussions. So, To see the Celtics, I understand they're suffering a little bit on the court, but I don't care as much as I care about the mental health and the physical health of Al Horford, who 
is a guy who's really good at basketball, but a guy, a human being who is working and luckily for him, who's really good at a job that makes him a lot of money, but still working every day to try and be the best he can be. And so he got hit in the head and I don't want to see a guy like him or anybody go through something that would deteriorate deteriorate their brains to a point where they they couldn't keep going. So, but it doesn't always involve a concussion or a blow to the head. Some people are just born with things that a chemical makeup where it doesn't take much. There's just a certain increase in certain chemicals in the brain where you're not quote unquote well. So the NBA hasn't necessarily addressed this, but they should. People like Royce White, who are physically gifted enough to play the game of basketball at a very high level, aren't able to perform, aren't able to earn a living because there is no program, there is no path for them to play the game. And a lot of people right now are listening saying, so what? You got to be mentally tough. And that's, I think that's, I'm not putting this on you. I think that's part of the problem. We all think you're supposed to be quote unquote mentally tough, but we don't think anything beyond those words. Mentally tough. Yeah. You can be mentally tough. I can go out there and run 10 miles and be mentally tough enough to look past a couple of physical injuries so I can finish the last couple of miles. There are people who just ran the New York City Marathon. There are people who are going to run the Boston Marathon that will overlook things that are physically wrong with them because they're quote-unquote mentally tough and they will finish and they will do well. But that's not what we're talking about. Mental health issues cause people to think things that aren't necessarily true. And those are overwhelming thoughts that cripple you. So to answer Justin's question, the NBA has made progress in a lot of issues and they are very socially advanced. The NBA was the first professional league to put a float in the New York City Gay Pride March. And that's a big thing. It's a very progressive professional sports association to do something like that. They, they're supportive of gay rights, obviously, with the WNBA, also very supportive of the gay rights. They're very supportive of a lot of uh, issues socially, but this is their next thing. And so I'm hoping that there will be some progress. There will be something. Don't tell me that Delonte West couldn't have played longer in the NBA couldn't have had a lot. Look, you're, we're all Celtics fans here. How much did we love Delonte West? How much would we have loved a guy like that back in Boston? But he couldn't do it. What if we had a program that supported him? What if we had a program that supported Larry Sanders? Now, he would have stayed in, Minis- in uh, Milwaukee, but he would have stayed in the league 
And he's a guy that we liked to watch. He should be playing professional basketball. Now, of course, if he doesn't want to play professional basketball, it's his choice. But if there was a support mechanism in the NBA to do that, he could have done that. So I think that Justin's cause is, is a very good one. I think the NBA should incorporate that. They do not have one right now, but they should. And I will happily ring that bell because mental health is a serious issue around the world. And it's something that affects people. And the worst thing about it is that we don't see it. Jay Crowder is out. Jay Crowder did not travel to Washington because we saw him land on Rajon Rondo's foot and turn his ankle, and we can look at that and say he has an ankle injury. We cannot look at somebody and say this person has anxiety. This person has whatever disorder, a mental thing that's happening to this person. We can't look at them and point to a thing that says they have this, but they do. This is a legitimate thing. Uh, this is something that affects our servicemen and women who have gone overseas and suffered post-traumatic stress disorder. So, in short, and I don't want to bog this whole thing down, but this is an important issue to me. This is an important issue to a lot of people, and I think we've all been touched by it. So, let's hope and let's push and let's find a way to get this into the mainstream. Let's get the NBA to actually institute something, to put a task force together, to put people together, to get this issue to the forefront, come up with a plan, and get men and women who should be playing in the NBA and WNBA to face these issues with support and go out and reach their full potential as men and women fully fulfilled from a physical and mental standpoint. Okay, that's that. I want to thank you for that. I really want to thank you for listening to the the, the past, I guess, 10 minutes about uh, everything. And uh, I hope you continue to listen to the show. Subscribe. Rate us five stars wherever it is on iTunes. Uh, share the podcast. Tell your friends. Tell everybody about it. Uh, listen to the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On NBA, Locked On Fantasy, and, and all of that. We'll be back tomorrow night or tonight when you're listening to it. The Celtics will play the Wizards. We'll be on post game and we'll have reaction to that. Uh, for now, this has been the Locked On Celtics Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.